listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 162 of the Testudo Times podcast. The We had to do something because it's 95 degrees and 100% humidity out, and so you can't actually go outside podcast. Yeah, so stay inside, put some, he- put, uh, put some headphones on and do this. Yeah, it's a summer podcast, so there isn't a ton to talk about, but Testudo Times went viral. We'll get to that in a second. But firstly, uh, we had Big Ten Media Days for football, which are pretty much useless, I mean, especially if you're Maryland, which no one cares about except us. Uh, there was a slight controversy, I guess, with comments by was it Nick Saban or was it his players that commented on that? It was so. So Nick Saban, over at SEC Media Days, said something to the effect of, you know, some of our coaches had egos get in the way um, when, you know, after like the LSU game. So down the stretch of the season, of course, Alabama got crushed by Clemson in the title game and then half the staff left I think a lot of other coaches left on worse terms than Mike Loxley and Loxley uh, I think he told the Washington Post that he has been assured by people at Alabama that those comments were not directed at him so you know that thing would be like you know this is a on the way out yeah and and this is just one of those like it's summer it's Nick Saban. It's going to get a little bit overblown. And this is why Saban, you know, rails against the the press as much as he does. But, Uh you know, I think it's, it is what it is. The rest of Mike Loxley's press conference, at least on TV and most of, most of what he did, obviously we, we didn't go to this. Um, It's in Chicago for like two days. No, for us, there's not question for us. There's not much of a reason. I mean, we'll go to Chicago if it's a big 10 tournament, but not for this. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's mostly the stuff that, that we've been hearing from Loxley. You know, he talked all spring and he, he's had a couple of different press conferences and he's, you know, he talked again about how it's his dream job and how, you know, he started by trying to keep the current roster in place and then took advantage of the transfer portal. He's really likes what he's seen out of those guys. You know, all the, all the coach speak stuff. My favorite is when coaches ex- and, and even the players like explain the coach speak catchphrases, which for Loxley, the big one is maximize it, which is basically just focus on what you're doing in the moment. Like, you know, if you're in the classroom, maximize your time in the classroom. And then if you're at practice, focus on practice, whatever, whatever it is. Like it's a thing that sounds stupid when you hear the phrase and then he explains it. You're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. And I don't know. That's what, that's kind of what coaching is. And that's, that's the kind of stuff you hear about at these things. Didn't I kind of like, maybe it's because I, I'm so used to coach speak now, having covered things, that I kind of knew immediately what he meant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a different version of stuff you've heard a lot of the time. I think Alabama calls it the process. Oh, jeez. You know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a slightly different thing from the Philadelphia 76ers process. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but it, well, whatever it's going to be. Yeah, it's very different than the six. Very process. different. Jeez. Um, okay, that that's that's media days. There's nothing to talk about there other than the last thing is that Anthony McFarland and Antoine Brooks and Tino Ellis looked like they were like the best dressed people at prom. 
So. Uh, well, I don't. They good they thing? showed out. Is that a good thing? I don't know. I mean, they didn't. They they kind of went overboard, but it looked good, so we're we're cool with it. Well, at least Maryland will win something in football. Yeah, want to know? Want to know at least for the start of the season. That's media days. I think that they're completely worthless, but we have to talk about something in July, obviously. But training camp starts in what? Less than two weeks. Yeah, it is. It's right around the corner, and we've been we've been previewing all of it. I think we'll go. We're we're a few weeks away from the full football season preview podcast, and about a month you know, away. I would things say things will change, but but we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, still still going through the positions. We're on defense now. Defensive line is iffy. You right remember, now. like it wasn't that long ago when defensive line was the only thing in Maryland that was salvageable. And now it feels like everything else is okay to pretty good and the defensive line is a question. It's amazing how that changes so quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think everything kind of just goes through these cycles. And, you know, even just this offseason, linebacker went from a real question mark to a pretty solid spot with, I mean, that's what two transfers and you know, some other guys stepping up in spring ball will do for you. Mm-hmm. And it is fascinating to think that even though we're in the dead of dead times, we're only like a week away from training camp. Hopefully this year training camp is not nearly as eventful as it was last year. Lord willing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, please. Okay. So we don't need that again. Let's move on to a couple of basketball things. We'll get to Testudo Times' greatest viral moment in history in a second. Uh, firstly, they released the Advocare Invitational Bracket. It's the Orlando tournament around Thanksgiving. Maryland starts by playing Temple because we can't get away from Temple. Uh, I have not seen the bracket in a while. Uh, how does it shape out? Yeah, so, I mean, this is a – it's a pretty good tournament. It's not as it's not as strong a field as I think we thought it might have been before some guys entered the draft earlier. Uh, the Marquette guys transferred. Marquette's on the other side of the bracket, so Maryland gets Temple first round. Texas A&M and Harvard uh, is is the other quarterfinal on that side of the bracket. And then down below, it's USC Fairfield and Davidson Marquette. And tournaments like these, it's very important to win your first game. If you want, you know, if for if you're a team like Maryland who needs a strength of schedule boost. And like if they play three good teams in this tournament, this will be their and it, it probably will be anyway, like probably their toughest non-conference schedule in a few years. And the chance to get a few other, you know, power six teams in there um, with with A&M, maybe USC or Marquette um, on the other side, I think. It's going to be pretty good, too. Let's, let's... Davidson can yeah. win the A-10. That wouldn't yeah, be a sure. bad game either. No, I'm, I'm interested in Davidson Marquette as a quarterfinal. We'll, we'll do that when we get there. That's on Thanksgiving morning, actually. Yeah, so before you eat your face with turkey, you can watch Maryland basketball. Unless you're one of those people that basically does Thanksgiving dinner for lunch at 11 in the morning. Uh, who would do that? I, I don't know. I don't think it happens. I know a lot of people do it at like 3, but, but the game is going to be at like 11 a.m., so you'll be, you'll be fine. I have to get up early on Thanksgiving to watch Maryland basketball. I'm used to getting up early to having watched soccer, sometimes the Jaguars, and that's an experience enough. I've never had to get up early to watch Maryland basketball. Well, always a first. Uh, maybe not all that much we were hoping for. Uh, the Summer League ended. Um, that was a thing that happened. Uh, I watched very little of it except for the earthquake because everyone was talking about that and everybody then talked about, you know, Paul George, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, and the 
Russell Westbrook. So uh, Bruno Fernando played in Summer League for the Hawks. I didn't watch any of it, to be honest, although I should have. Uh, how did he do? Uh, it, was, it was a little mixed. He did not play in the first game. He only played three games uh, total in the Summer League. He did average 27 minutes in those games. Uh, not a ton of production, but also his defensive production was off the charts. He averaged three blocks a game. So he had 10 blocks in just three summer league games and average, you know, had four steals, three assists. He averaged just uh, 4.3 points and 3.7 boards. And, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't this setting the world on fire, but he's, he's in a pretty good position. The Hawks signed him to, I believe a three year guaranteed deal, which is huge for a second rounder. And it's pretty clear that they they think he's a big piece for the future. Um, you know, they traded out Omari Spellman, brought in Damian Jones. So that, it'll be interesting to see whether that is helpful or hurtful for for Bruno Fernando. But you know, he didn't really didn't light the summer league on fire. But he is definitely in good position with his new team. Summer league all stars don't really make it necessarily in the NBA in the regular season when it matters most. So. I don't think production is really that indicative of anything. Uh, there's a very good article on The Athletic, paywalled, of course, but if you have a subscription, Chris Kirshner. He's not related to Alex, by the way. Their names are spelled differently. Good piece on Bruno Fernando, what the Hawks should expect from Fernando. Talking about shooting more threes than he ever shot at Maryland. I'm pretty sure that Bruno would have shot more threes if the coaches allowed him to, but I don't think they did. So there's some really interesting stuff in there and uh, talks about what the coaches think and about what the GM Travis Schlank thinks. So I would encourage you to read that if you want more on Bruno Fernando in the summer league. There is another basketball thing that you guys did, and it's probably the best thing we've ever done in the history of summer at Testudo times. Create the at least it's... Maryland basketball starting lineup for $15. This is sale of the century. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot, we always try and do cute little things in the summer. Uh, the two the last two years since I, since I took over, we did, you know, as part of our football position weeks, we tried to hold votes and put together this all-time Maryland team. And, uh, we, you know, we got a list done there. And then we, we tried the same for basketball last year, but it's tougher because, you know, guys play different positions and whatnot. Um, but we took the five winners of that and made them sort of the top line in this new thing. So, you know, th it's not a new uh, game, but we've never done, you know, no one's done it for Maryland basketball is – you know, you get five players on the $5 line all the way down to one. So 25 options, you pick five, you have $15 and, you know, play away. And so the, the top line, I won't go all the way, all the way down. It's, you know, we're a while in the past, but the top line, I remember Steve Blake, Juan Dixon, um, Len Bias, Buck Williams, and Len, just, uh, and so, you know, I think a lot of guys, th those were the, the five winners of what we did. And then we kind of filled it out with trying to mix young and old. And so this is not a, it's not a list of the top 25 players at Maryland. It, it's think, think of this kind of like Vegas. Like we're not, we're just per trying to put them out there at a number that we think is going to be kind of their market value in this. So like Bruno Fernando, he played two years. He's, he had, you know, a great season his sophomore year, but he's not like a top 20 Maryland player historically, just career numbers wise, because he only played two years. 
but he's gonna he's gonna be a, a pretty good value at two dollars and he's on my team um i went with len bias uh on the five dollar line a lot of people said he should be like six or seven dollars which would be pretty fair most lineups that i saw and yeah. we got we got a lot had him um oh yeah you and have then, to have, you'd have to have len bias on your line and somewhere then, right oh yeah and because he's just yeah absolutely for him him for the same price as like juan dixon and buck williams you know that that's a no-brainer i think um, it's just because of impact you know <laughs> And yeah. it, 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 why, well, also, if you did it for six and seven, it would make it almost impossible if you have $15. So, <laughs> yeah. If you want um, the value a little bit. And so then I, what I did after that, I went with, so John Lucas, to me, is the best point guard in Maryland history. He didn't win our poll for that last year. Steve Blake beat him out. And so I was like, I'm really getting $5 value on the four line here with I think I'd still, I mean, Lucas. again, I'm not as much of an authority in Maryland basketball just recently. I mean, God, I got grievous heart and soul guy. He'll he'll give you everything every night, and when it matters most, he'll beat Duke. Yeah. It'll be so hard can for Len. me to not. It'll be hard for me. Yeah. Not so to can Lagus, because again, that's recency bias. Older Maryland yeah. fans, you would definitely do something different than I would, but but grievous yeah, is absolutely. recency bias. Um, I went with Francis at three. It'll be probably a weird backcourt with uh, with him and Lucas, but I think it'll work, and. You know, put that with uh, Yep. Uh, grab Keith Booth at one. You know, at one. He he was undervalued at one. A lot of people pointed this out, and yeah, uh, we just we didn't want to move some of the newer guys that were were going to be pretty popular in this game off that off the two, like Bruno Fernando. And so Bruno Fernando, I'm also going with. He'll be he'll be my center. He does a lot of what Grievous did, the heart and soul kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, well, so we'll roll out four at the same time. Oh my goodness! So we'll we'll roll out Lucas, Francis, Bias, Booth, and Fernando. And you don't and have to take one from every line. In. You don't have to spend fifteen dollars. You can also do it for less. Yeah, you can. I just like that was kind of my thought process, and that's how I put that team together. And it ended up being one from every line. And, well, also, as I um, said, like works you out. could you could honestly do it. Because in today's modern basketball world, you wouldn't have to necessarily go for a big guy. So you could have Len Bias as your biggest player on the floor and then just go mm-hmm. everything else. Maryland's also had some good undersized centers. I think Derek Lewis was a pretty popular one. Um, some people put Lonnie Baxter in there. The, you know, we, we obviously had some fun, like, give me five Rune Roms. and <laughs> <laughs> I'd do that. Yeah. It's like people had... Uh, People had all this extra money, and they were like, and, and spend the rest at Chipotle or whatever. No, uh, and one, spend, the, re- and we spend got, the rest on making Gary Williams younger. We got one that was, um, just give me the middle column, the bias column. I was like, well, that's one way to do it. That's one way to do That would be a big team. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not by, um, you know, it's not like point guard, shooting guard necessarily. It's kind of guards were on the left and bigs were on the right, but it. Yeah, but that was a lot of ways. Team. Yeah. That would be huge. Be interesting. I I would like again. It can't do that, but in reality, I mean, it's good to have a little summer thing to do and I think th- I think this kind of gets you into talking about the history of Maryland basketball in a way that other than just oh, he was great, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it was we, we got out of this what I kind of wanted to get out of last year. Uh 
you know, when you put out who is the best small forward in Maryland history and you give people five options, you get a million like he's actually a power forward. Yeah. Why is this guy over this guy? And 475 you know, doing, responses to this. Yeah. And that's just that's just replies. We got even more quote tweets. Yeah. I mean, and we asked for that's quote what tweets, you so want. It's, it's like that's how that's oh, absolutely. How you get. And, and, and because Maryland fans are a very cynical bunch. But this about, is one way you take their cynicism away. Yeah. Within like, although in fairness, in with respect to cynicism, uh, within like 20, 30 minutes, Scott Van Pelt replied, my day's ruined. This is impossible. <laughs> well, no, and that's, that's not cynicism. That's just SVP saying you've made something so hard because you love it. so yeah. much. I think for a lot of people, longtime Maryland fans, this would be hard. Yeah, that was an honor. It was, it was fun to see like people tweet out their their struggles on this. Yeah, because it's a thing that once you see it, you're going to kill 30 minutes in the office doing it. Yeah, I mean, and, and people put together a few different lineups and a lot going on. Like, I, I'm trying to think of what I would do because it's hard. Uh, I, oh boy, you have to have Len Bias in there. How about Melo Trimble and Steve Francis in the same backcourt? That sounds like fun. I think it could work, too. I think it could have... definitely work. I think they could play off each other. You could play Des Wells a little bit higher up the floor. You know, you could play him in more of a, you know, a stretch position, right? You wouldn't necessarily have to be. And then you have Bruno Fernando at center. Yeah. Because, I mean, Bruno Fernando wouldn't be worth $2 if he played another season in Maryland. I think we all know that. So, mm -hmm. I wonder – so, you didn't put Anthony Cowan on this list, obviously. No, we, we kept the, the current players off just – it but felt weird to, kind of putting a current guess, player on. Where would Anthony Cowan be? I think right now, he, what, would he be two? I think he'd be two, maybe three. It's hard to push anybody off that three. I don't though. know. I think I think Maryland fans are a lot more critical of Cowan than they than they should be. Like, his numbers after this season will be up there among the all-time greats, but he hasn't personally, like, delivered any really, really memorable moments in the same way. I think yeah. a lot of... You know, his slump toward the end of last season, I think, left a, a bitter taste in a lot of people's mouths. And he's better than that. I think we'll prove it this year, but that we'll, we'll get to that. A lot of the college basketball offseason columns I've been reading, uh, talking about Maryland, I saw one, again, on The Athletic, uh, why are Maryland fans so cynical? Why are Maryland fans so nervous? And I was laughing reading that. It's like, well, you haven't been around Maryland basketball fans very often, have you? <laughs> They're always cynical and scared. And it's certainly going to be the case this year again. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting preview stuff that's going on. I would assume we might get a schedule pretty soon, like an actual legitimate like schedule with game times and TV. By the end of the month, I think we might get it. Uh, we'll see. But that was one great way to spend a half an hour of your day uh, having fun burning through. You know, we're, actually, we're actually still getting replies to that. I like yeah, they'll that. they'll trickle in like one every couple days. We'll we'll still see one. That was you know it was a week ago as we're recording this. Yes, so that's a good thing, and we'll still get yeah as I said still plenty of time to get that done and get that taken care of. Okay, other things that have happened in the world of Maryland sports, a Maryland baseball thing. Brandon Lau, not Low. Sorry, Joe Buck. <laughs> Was the last time Maryland had an All Star player in Major League Baseball? Because I can't remember. So. So Brett Cecil made an all-star game in 2013. What happened then? Um, uh, he got hurt. That's true. He actually, so Cecil from 2013 to 15 was one of the best relievers in baseball. He signed as a free agent with St. Louis and was like, okay for a few years. And this year he's missed the whole season with a carpal tunnel in his pitching hand. Oof. So 
you know, it's rough. He's been, he's had the kind of career that as a lefty reliever, you really dream to have. Until um, Major League Baseball decides that you have to have three batters a minimum, and then he will not have a job anymore. Well, he won't have a job probably by that point anyway, but. <laughs> yeah, um, a few other Maryland baseball players in there. I think, so Adam Kalark is a pretty frequently used relief pitcher with the Rays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lau, so he was named to the All-Star team the day after he fouled a pitch off his leg. Ugh. And the next day he went on the injured list. And so he actually missed the All-Star game. He he did go to Cleveland and, you know, got to tip his cap and hear his name pronounced wrong. Yeah. Which, so the funny thing about that, the Rays on the same side of the infield have Nate Lowe, spelled the exact same way, pronounced the other way. So... Lion Eagle. It happens. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's that one. I had to. There. I had to do that one. I had to do that. Um, Mike Schwarin was pitching really well, and then he went to London and stopped pitching well. Well, no one pitched well in London. Nobody pitched well in London. It's impossible uh, to do anything right when you're in the stadium of West Ham United. Sorry, that one was also inevitable. Yeah. If there are any yeah, West Ham fans I, I, I on this podcast, you deserve that comment. <laughs> Um, oh, how do we go from there? Uh, uh, yeah, so, so Maryland baseball, ways, we, let's focus there's on been, things. there's been some stuff. Uh, Lamont Wade was called up for a little bit, mostly just as an injury thing. So he and Schwarin are back in AAA right now. Uh, Lau is on the injured list. He'll be back soon. So a lot of guys playing pretty well in, in the minors. So pretty good year for uh, Maryland baseball. And Brendan Lau is the first Maryland position player in the all-star game since 1947 that's crazy yeah i don't even remember who it is like the the people who tweeted that out didn't say who it was and so i still don't know um i mean you can look at the wikipedia page of the 1947 all-star team and then scroll through it but i don't think we have the time to do that i started to do that and then i didn't finish it so then you got bored and then you found a tweet from old ross hadvorn and you felt (laughs) that might suffice Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Uh, there are other things, awards, honors, of some of them coming from us, others coming from people yeah, who are not we, us. It it got, you know, part two of uh, you know, doing fun stuff in the summer. We made up our own awards. Um, so we'll start with yeah. So Kathy Reese won, uh, the coaches coach of the year for for women's lacrosse. I don't know why they give that award in mid July, when all the position player of the year awards were early June, you know, shortly after Memorial Day and a week or so after the Tawarton. Um, so Megan Taylor won player of the year, goalie of the year, Julia Bragg won defender of the year. Taylor also won the Tawarton. And now a month and a half later, Kathy Reese for the fourth time in her career is the national coach of the year. Well, I think it would be hard for her not to be. Yeah. It, it's interesting. The only... She's won five titles at Maryland and won Coach of the Year four times, all in four of those seasons. Uh, only 2017 did she win the title and not be Coach of the Year, and that was the year they went undefeated. Well, that was, that might have been her best. That might have been her best coaching job. I think. I don't remember the game too. I think it was someone who, you know, led a team to somewhere they hadn't been before. Or whatever. Which is always Coach of the Year. Usually. Oh, who has the greatest sob story? As in. Who had a team that was garbage and is now good again? Mm-hmm. That's fun. 
Yeah. And then, you know, the football awards are mostly just like watch lists. Um, it's just interesting to see which guys pop up uh, for their positions and whatnot. Anthony McFarland is on the Maxwell Award and the Doak Walker Award for, I believe, nation's most outstanding offensive players to Maxwell. And then running back is uh, the Doak Walker. Can't Antoine Brooks. getting it, but if he does, then that means he's had like a historically good season by any standard. And he probably gets the ball on every play, if that happens. Yeah. Um, Antoine Brooks and Tyler Mabry, the, the transfer, and Johnny Jordan are on the watch list at their positions as well. Okay, so let's. if a Maryland player wins an award this year, something really crazy happened. Yes. the My, my favorite is the, the watch list for centers. I feel like includes, I think it's 60 names, and there's 120 centers in the country. Yeah, that's half the country yeah most of the power five most of the power five. like if you're a returning starter and jordan only has like six starts so he was a part-time starter last year yeah i don't like those award watch lists and i couldn't tell you who wins them anyway because they don't matter <laughs> yeah they have their own award show that's like the warm-up to the heisman there has the war it's in orlando yeah espn shows it every year you could argue they're not even as valuable as the herbie awards no, and they're certainly not as valuable as the Piesman. That is absolutely true. If Maryland won a Piesman, I think they'd have to build an entire wing at the football facility for it. Yeah, build a damn statue. That's a, I, I am going to totally, totally vouch for that. So, Maryland offensive lineman. One of you needs to win the, the Piesman. Jalen Duncan, please. Yeah, actually, you know what? That's a good idea. Yeah, Jalen Duncan, I mean, he caught a pass in the spring game. So. Uh, please, God, if that happens, even if it's against Howard, do it. It's just necessary. A Maryland player winning a Pies would be the greatest accomplishment in Maryland football since 2001. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 100% for that. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure everyone is. I can't, I cannot think of anything better for Maryland football because they actually can't win anything that matters uh, than the Piesman. Yeah, I mean, would you, would you rather have the Piesman or beat like Penn State at home? On a Friday night. Ooh, you see, here's the difference. Because you can do Penn State, like you can beat them all the time. I thought you were going to say beat, insert Sunbelt team in the formerly named GMAC Bowl. Nah. I don't think the Big Ten has a bid to that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's I, I for, for whatever it's worth, I hope we're worrying about these random-ass bowl games again. Uh, yeah, for Maryland, you kind of have to worry about these random bowl games. And, of course, now there's going to be more. I think the Big Ten actually posted its new bowl game lineup. Actually, let me look that up. 2020 to 2025, including a game that's going to be played at Fenway Park because there weren't enough bowl games already. Jeez. How awful is that? Okay, here is the new bowl game lineup. Uh, please tell me the, uh, the goalposts are, like, right up against the monster. Uh, they should be. Well, they've played yeah, football. They've played football at Wrigley. They've played football at, at Fenway before. It was Harvard, Yale. But, um, so bowl game availability for Maryland. The quick lane bowl, you know, we played in the best quick lane bowl in the history of everything against Boston College. You remember that? Absolutely. That was great. I don't think, I don't think they're eligible for that though. Uh, yeah, they are. What's the, what's the statute of limitations on going back to the same bowl? Uh, it's, 
it's been three years. I think they'll have enough time to go back there if they get six wins. The Red Box Bowl, which is the bowl game that Maryland got crushed at by Stanford a couple of years ago. You remember that? Oh, it's Red Box now, the one it's, in Yeah, it's called Santa the Red Box Bowl now. It's not called the whatever it was called. I think it was Foster Farms. Yes, it was Foster Farms. You're correct. Yeah. Thank you. Stupid American capitalism. The Cheez-It Bowl <laughs> last year, which was California TCU, had like Dude. 70 interceptions. Dude. Hell yeah. Uh, no, no. Even better, the Belk Bowl. I'm in. I'm in because of that Twitter account. Yeah. Maryland playing in the Belk Bowl. I'm totally okay with that. Pinstripe Bowl. I think Maryland could have been in the Pinstripe Bowl multiple years. Um, Music City Bowl, Nashville. I don't think the Big Ten had a bid to that. I think that's SEC, ACC now. Uh, the Las Vegas Bowl. Shame that Brent Musburger's not calling games anymore because Maryland and the Las Vegas Bowl called by Brent Musburger would just be too perfect, right? I mean, you never know. Maybe he comes out of retirement for that bowl game only. That would be great. I'm sure Scott Van Pelt could convince him to do that, right? We'll see. Uh, and then the Outback Bowl, Citrus Bowl, Orange Bowl, Rose Bowl. So not really a terrible bowl game lineup for the Big Ten, but obviously they have replacement teams that can go anywhere. And I think there's going to be now like 50 bowl games. So you know what? If you're in Power 5, Division One college football, you're probably going to a bowl game. All right, we'll see. That's good news for Maryland. The over-under is still uh, four and a half in most places. I've seen it at three and a half. Okay. Four and a half, I'd have a, maybe a little bit more trouble going over, but three and a half is just – I'm taking that. Yeah, I mean, the schedule is not easy, but they're, You're, they're I mean, Maryland has enough talent to where they'll fluke out a win against a team that they're, you know, not technically supposed to. Did yeah. they predict – did they uh, – did we get, like, the predictions, like the projections uh, from the from media day? Because, you know, every sport you have, like, the coaches' projections where they think they're going to finish. Do we get that? I think that comes out a little later. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure Maryland would be, what, fifth? Maybe sixth? In the Big Ten East? Yeah, probably. Well, as I said, I think that, I mean, just even saying it, they'll beat Howard, Syracuse, and Temple. I wouldn't call them toss-ups, but I would say that Maryland's got a chance in both of them. I think they're more likely to beat Temple. Uh, Rutgers, God help me if they lose to them again. Uh, Indiana, that one they get at, uh, at home, so I think they have a better chance of winning that. I mean, yeah, they're going to be difficult games, but I think that there's a good likelihood that they fluke out one of them. Because, you know, they, they have the opportunity to fluke out one of them. Yep. I, well, Minnesota, I don't know about Minnesota, but Maryland beating them now. <laughs> they have been. We'll see. They, they have been, yes. Uh, on Nebraska, too. Nebraska, Nebraska is kind of a darling right now. Well, aren't they always... I think it's more legitimate this year. Like they, they finished last year actually pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, they have Adrian Martinez coming back. It's the second year of Scott Frost. It has a very good track record. I don't know. I don't know how good they'll actually be. I think the fact that they're in the West makes them a contender. Well, to win and then get throttled by. Oh, we should say this: if Michigan doesn't win the East this year, yeah, that would. I mean, we're gonna laugh at them anyway, but you know, we really have to laugh at them now. Yeah, they, they return a lot. They That's like a win or bust, isn't it? Oh, and Jim Harbaugh saying the thing he said about Urban Meyer. Uh, that's the stuff. And he's also right. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. He's also totally correct. No. And so I think, 
think the last thing for this show, I don't know how we got to like half an hour doing this, um, is we made up our own awards. Thomas. Yeah. 162 plus episodes of this show. How long have you been doing it? I know. I mean, we turned, we, we've, we've turned podcasts that we thought were going to go for half an hour into 15 minutes before. Oh yeah. So, so the last thing is we made up our own awards and this is how you fill time on a podcast. Um, yes, you do. Yeah, I mean, just you know, I, I like I like polling our readers. You know, just we have we have enough uh, clout to do that and get some interesting results. So we've uh, we've done our own like mini SPs. We just call them the Testudo Times Awards. Um, we didn't come up with a better name. Sorry about it. We'll try again next year. Um, Bruno Fernando, Male Athlete of the Year. Uh, I think I voted for Jared Bernhardt, and Donovan Pines was also really in the mix. Mm-hmm. from from men's soccer so like there was no like standout superstar all-american i think i bernhardt had the highest individual honors of of anyone in that group being it's a wharton finalist mm-hmm. um he scored 51 goals and whatnot but fernando first team all big 10 obviously led maryland back to the tournament one of the best individual seasons we've seen from a maryland basketball player in a long time and yeah i, I think he's a deserving winner and yeah, kind of personifies a lot of things about Maryland. Megan Taylor won in kind of a route, which not surprising. That's um, duh. Yeah, uh, Linnea Gonzalez from field hockey did also win National Player of the Year in her sport, but it was weird when you think about it. Her stats are not like as eye popping. Also, by the way, it's field hockey, and we're no offense to field hockey, but you know we are a lacrosse school. Yeah, and and it, it's recency bias as well. I think. With field hockey, A, not winning, and B, being as far away as it was, and C, us being still a lacrosse school even more so. Yeah. Yeah, and Megan Taylor won everything in her sport. So, Correct. you know, we, you kind of knew that was going to happen. Uh, freshman of the year was a really interesting group. We had a, a couple Big Ten freshmen of the year in Maryland. We had a, a few first, you know, all Big Ten freshman team, a few who made, uh, like, the all-conference first team as a rookie. Mm. Um, Maxwell Costas in baseball, Taylor Mike still in women's basketball, B.B. Donrat in field hockey, who's actually who I voted for, um, but Anthony McFarland. Of course he's going to win that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not mad at this. I, I just, I just know who I voted for. I know. And uh, Jalen Smith, I think, made a run at it. I don't off the top of my head remember who finished second. I think it might have been Costas. Yeah, um, that's a pretty good one. I could go for that. And then Coach of the Year was really two candidates that we, you know, we gave some props to two others. Um, and it's it's impossible to pick between Kathy Reese and Sasha. Sorry, I mean, we Kathy, talked about Kathy Reese. Picking. Yeah, I mean, we Kathy Reese is the National Coach of the Year in her sport, but Sasha had like the best coaching season that I've seen in a very very long time by anybody. You know, he turned this team that lost so much from last year with such a disappointing finish and, and such a slow start to this year, you know, a combination of, you know, keeping his guys motivated, keeping them engaged, making the tactical changes and, you know, keeping everyone confident. They got hot and they, they rode it all the way. And it's as very, it's as much coaching as anything. Mm -hmm. And Sarovsky, you are popular, but winner. Maryland Coach of the Year. Yes, uh, correct. Voting is ongoing for uh, best regular season game, best postseason game, 
best moment. Uh, best moment and best play. Okay, so let's go over this quickly. The best win of the regular season is obviously going to be beating Texas because there is no other option. Sorry, everybody else. Texas yeah, I mean, I gave answer. other options, but that was... That's going to win. Yeah, correct. absolutely. Correct. Uh, best postseason game. Uh, Got to go with winning a national championship, right? So I... I... I'm going with winning. I, I did not. I didn't put the national title games in there because it's not. A, it's less about. So for best game, it's like most thrilling game, and like the national title games were kind of like not even as close. Maryland was very much in control of the yeah. men's soccer championship and the women's soccer game. Uh, men's soccer against Indiana was getting a lot of run. That was the final four game. They won it two nothing, but it was very tense, very close the whole way. Yeah. Um. Women's lacrosse ended up not with a tournament game on the list because they were all such they were, dominance. Yeah, I mean, if we did like best performance by a team, then the their semifinal against Northwestern, yeah, where they scored what twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah. So. So I'm back at this. Uh, men's soccer against Indiana has a three vote lead on men's basketball against Belmont. Uh, I don't want to relive the Belmont game. I don't well, want to relive it. It was too tense. <laughs> I can't. Men's soccer, I will never have the same sort of, like, I'm rooting for it, like, that diehard, like, Maryland basketball. And I think that's the same for a lot of us. But I don't want to relive that game. I can't mm-hmm. relive that game. And... Men's lacrosse versus Towson's a good one, though. It is. Okay. Um... Uh, coach, best moment? I mean, there's a lot with McNair. If you had to pick one, it's the lining up against Texas with ten men on the first play. Yeah, that was good. And the the coordinated delay of game declined play on. Yeah. Um. You know, we actually knew it was going to happen, so we had a story for it. But it was, it's it, it's emotional, and it it was, you know, a powerful as thing. As much as and... I like that, senior night proposals. Come on now. Yeah. That would have been my that would have been my vote. It's uh, it's actually up. behind Lewis Dubik's game winner by a vote, which but is, which I'm sorry, it's incorrect. Yeah, no, I mean for me it was down to those two, and 100%. you know obviously there's just so much going on with, um, yes, with the the tribute. Best play is a lot, uh, you know a lot of a lot of fun nominees. Jalen Smith dunk on Dylan Windler is running away good. with it. That one's pretty good. It's running away with it. Yeah, the best play, oh that one. Yeah, but you know what? You know what the answer for me is. It's not that. What are you going with? Kyla Charles. Yeah, um, that, that's my winner. That's in third place right now. Behind. Oh, come on. It's it's close though. It's I think six votes behind Antoine Brooks's game-winning interception. Oh, I mean that was great, but Maryland already had the Jason Jones moment was better than the interception. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a subjective list, and honestly, the best one might realistically be Hannah Bond's save in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I mean that was saving elimination. By, if we're just going game. by lunatic play, then yes. Yeah, lunatic play plus, like, the moment. Yeah. You know, if, if but, that goal... But, but that Kyla Charles play capped off, like, a comeback that is not humanly possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and so so these these awards, you know, it's it's obviously hard to assign... You know, awards to all this because that I women's saw, basketball game I didn't. It, I, I said Kyla Charles yeah. was going to win. You know, the women's basketball that that game didn't 
you know, it didn't win anything, but it was, you know, nominated for a couple different things. And, uh, that was, it was a highlight of Charles's season and she was a nominee herself. So, you know, congrats to all our nominees. Congrats to all the nominations. Your checks are in the mail with your, with your trophy. Actually, you don't get checks. This is college sports. This is true. Well, depends on what, (laughs) depends on what sport you play. Coach of the year gets a check. Coach of the year gets a check. There you are. You get you get a trip to go to uh, buy Kathy Reese ice cream. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, so that is it for this summer podcast, which somehow took forty minutes, which makes no sense. But you know how this works, right? Yeah, it's been a while. We had you know caught up. Not a ton to talk about, but I'm presuming the next time we do a show, training camp. Yeah, we'll see. Very exciting. I don't I don't expect a ton of news. We might see. Uh... Early August, end of July, basketball schedule. That's what I said. Out, but... I said basketball schedule will probably come out. You'll be able... we know who they're playing. We just don't know in what order they're playing them in. And for the Big Ten, that does matter. Uh, and you'll also get to see you know where the games are and prepare your life for the Maryland basketball games this fall. That's going to come out as I said, end of the month, early August. You'll know about that. Uh, we'll also, as I said, probably have predictions on uh, the conference uh, order in, in football and other fun things of this nature. Sounds good. Sports. We'll see you then. Until then, of course, go Terps.